Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk 90 My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me on the internet at jadeoxidrose, and I use they-them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, today, we are talking about book 35, The Proposal, which is a Marco book. Uh, before we dive in, some book-specific content warnings include uh, more sanism than usual of the, like, oh, they must be off their meds, or uh, you're going to have to get me a straitjacket kind of variety. Um, parental death, it's a Marco book, uh, and some significant amounts of animal cruelty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, most of it. All of it is done towards uh, people like the Animorphs in Animal Morph, but the person doesn't necessarily know that. Not at first, but then yeah. by but there's also the implication that the the yerk behind the controller mm-hmm. is not a fan mm-hmm. of animals generally, and is just yeah. a cruel, yeah. Like somebody that relishes in being violent. Yeah. So. Um, we'll try to give you a heads up before those come on screen. Uh, yeah, and we won't go into like express details of it either. Yeah. So. Ah, uh, this is another ghostwritten book. This book was ghostwritten by Jeffrey Zulke, who also wrote book 25, The Extreme. Uh, which was a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one oh, oh. with uh, the weird creatures in the cold, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one was much more uh, man versus environment. Mm-hmm. This one is not. Uh, but I think it handles a lot of the uh, emotional stuff really well. Um, Marco's not doing great. Uh, spoilers. No. After uh, the last book we saw him in, wherein he straight up led the mission to potentially kill his mother, uh, and then she maybe died by falling off of a cliff. Uh, he's not doing great and not really coping with that very well. New. No. Uh, I am. I gotta quickly point out this thing that has just amused me as I flicked back over to the PDF for this mm-hmm. book. Uh, I know the timing-wise, um, because this cover, as well as showing our POV character and a significant morph from the events of the book, it also has uh, like a burst through, uh, <laughs> like kind of watch animorphs on TV, which mm-hmm. makes sense because this is around the time where the not very good animorphs <laughs> TV show was like debuting it's also hilarious given the events that finished this book so yes yes it is 
the thought that just occurred to me as I flicked back over to it. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, uh, do you have any overall thoughts you want to start us off with, Jade? Hmm. I don't know how I feel about this book. And I don't know whether the uh, people behind the curtain, which is my catchphrase of the past 24 hours of recording, it might just be where I happen to be mentally today. Mm-hmm. But for all that there's elements of this book I really enjoy, I don't know how I feel about it as a whole. Mm-hmm. It feels incredibly brief. Yeah. Like it. I don't think it's especially shorter than any of the others. Like they're all around sort of like the sixty to sixty-five mm-hmm. page, and I don't know whether that's something that to do with the fact that we with the next book as well, whether that will inform things. I don't know. I have yet to discover. But it, it all felt very fast. Yes, and. I don't entirely vibe with all of the characterization choices. Mm-hmm. I understand them from like a like an academic point of view. Like, well, no, I get it, but I also don't necessarily appreciate it mm-hmm. and feel that maybe some of it is a slight misstepping. Mm-hmm. So I will give props. This is an excellent Marco Cassie it is. Uh, book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you happen to be on that particular train, uh, this is going to be good fun for you. Um, <laughs> and there is some nods to the group dynamic here that I find really compelling. So I wish the story was stronger, I think, is I yeah. think is what it boils down to. Is I, I wish the uh, excuse for a book, like the A plot, mm-hmm. was had as much weight as the emotional stuff did. And because it doesn't, some of the emotional stuff just feels maybe sort of overblown in a way that it wouldn't That's if fair. like yeah. the mission were bigger. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's that dissonance between the two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I get like, because Marco has stuff going on in his personal life. And so we don't want it to be too big a deal mission-wise because otherwise then it's too dangerous and then they can't really – maybe justify having him on the mission mm-hmm. and it's like mm, i just it doesn't feel very cohesive in that regard which is because mm-hmm. i genuinely if it was a lighter toned book and i think that's occurring to me as i say it like because of the inherent silliness of aspects of this story right it feels jarring with like here is a nuanced portrayal of a young man dealing with serious trauma. Mm-hmm. And also here are our wacky hijinks where we need to get this television guy to show on air or in public that he is in fact a colossal douche canoe. Mm-hmm. Actually, because I genuinely like the the antagonist of this. I think right. William What's-His-Face Tennant mm-hmm. is a very good character. Mm-hmm. And they could have done a much more weighty or serious story mm-hmm. with someone like that. Yeah. So yeah. Also, this is this is also one of these books where just like, man, that it's just this is so Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> like 
multiple TV studios in <laughs> one city. Like, there are two places that are really like that uh, in America. I appreciate that there is stuff being made all over the place. But, uh, and the fact that kids kind of have reference for, oh, this is a really shitty, cheap studio. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> This is the second time the kids have invaded a TV studio <laughs> and they have opinions about the size of TV studios now. So it's like it's it's amusing to me. Just like, yeah, also this is like big TV stars have their beach side mansions. It's just like mm. <laughs> No, this is this is this is very much. Uh huh. Yeah. Like I'm just thinking about that fucking bit in the second Austin Powers movie, mm -hmm. driving in the car, and just like, isn't it amazing how the British countryside looks nothing like Southern California? <laughs> and it's just like, isn't it amazing how this uh, town is a standard for anywhere in America and is not in fact Los Angeles? <laughs> It's it's amusing. It is amusing. Um, yeah. See, the thing is, like, this is the sort of book where I'm like, did I? It's probably too far along in the series, but I could see this particular animals book being a very good TV show episode, and mm. it does feel like a TV show episode, sort of a book. Mm -hmm. It's not full on filler episode, right? But also. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like Marco is getting the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. In, uh, but to be fair, as I say that, a lot of these recent ones have had like this aspect or element of maybe silliness to them, like fucking Rachel getting split into two. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that was happening directly to her. And just we've had these silly bits mm -hmm. going on. And it's like, is it to make it so the books aren't quite such a slog fest? Because, like, I appreciate the need for levity mm -hmm. um, in drama and to not make it so it's so soul-crushing, especially in a Marco book, mm -hmm. because that's how he deals with things. And I like... Uh, Jeff Jeffrey has clearly understands the character how to characterize Marco. Yeah, like he clearly vibes mm -hmm. with the character um, and underst understood the brief. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like so maybe Axe uh, everyone gets pretty well characterized in this book. Axe is just the butt of the joke. Yeah, which I never feel overly comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Though uh, when we get there, I will say the fact that it is Marco who's like, no, 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 you can't leave Axe alone here. Just like looking out for his boyfriend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this gift for me. Because um, we get to see Axe being like very on top of things and having, there is some great Axe characterization in this book, mm -hmm. which is why I don't like that there is a, oh, let's have him not understanding earth terminology and jake would know better than to use that terminology mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's also like oh come on 
please don't treat Axe like an idiot. I don't like it when they make when the books make him a clown. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, shall we dive in? Let us dive in. Okay. Uh, so the book opens with Marco playing video games with his father. His father has specifically freed his knight in order to spend time with him, um, which is really sweet. Uh, but, uh, as, as Marco was winning their game, probably a sports game, probably NFL something or other, uh, 56 to nothing, um, Marco's dad gets a call, uh, and immediately Marco knows who the person on the other end of the line is because his dad adopts a very, uh, sickly sweet kind of tone, um, gets a big dopey smile on his face. Uh, and we learn that Peter, who is Marco's father, has a new girlfriend. Um, and Marco thinks that it's serious. We do not know how long his dad has had this girlfriend. Presumably since, like, this has happened since the last book, because the, the last Marco book, I should say. Because the last Marco book didn't mention anything about this person. Um, but they have had time to, uh, scope her out to make sure she isn't a controller. Um, and, uh, Peter's new girlfriend is Nora Robinette, uh, who is Marco's math teacher. Uh, and Marco, understandably, uh, doesn't really know how to feel about this. Um, because his dad is like really really happy um and like marco wants to be happy for him especially considering uh peter's only just come out of a two-year depression um but also it's only been a few months since his since his dad has pulled himself out of that and also, Marco happens to be privy to the knowledge that his mother is still, well, potentially alive. And he doesn't know how to deal with that information. Yeah, and to be fair, I think uh, I was uh, 18, well, almost 18, when uh, my parents, and that was my parents, divorced. Mm -hmm. and had both remarried before I lost my dad. Mm -hmm. So, but there is, I think, always going to be that emotional weight for a young person of their parents, like, finding different people to be with. Mm -hmm. And we get something for, from Cassie later, um, like, commenting on people's home situations. Uh, Tobias would maybe understand more, but, like, uh, Jake, Cassie, and Rachel's, uh, Jake and Cassie's parents are together happily. 
uh, Rachel's parents are divorced, but neither are seriously dating anybody. And it sounds like it's been that way for a while Mm -hmm. as well. So, and well, we assume Axe's parents are happily together all the way back on the Andalite homeworld. (laughs) So, and it's... It's got to be a stressful thing, and I, it's something I appreciate that the book does when we uh, have these conversations between Marco and Cassie later, is that it's such, it's been Marco and his dad, specifically also Marco looking out for his dad mm-hmm. for such a long time. And Marco is somebody that, like, takes comfort in, like, knowing where all the pieces are, in, like, and when sh- stuff changes, you have to readdress everything mm-hmm. because now his normal is changing. Mm-hmm. And that's stressful, even if you uh, don't mention the whole having to fight against a secret alien invasion. Mm-hmm. And oh, you're also the one who has to think the really shitty stuff. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, so Marco can't really deal with this situation that's happening next to him. So he's turning up the TV. Like he, he's trying to get I his love dad. This. Like he could have, t- you feel like his dad probably could have taken the call in another room. Like there's yeah. going to be like an extension somewhere in the house. But I, I the visual of Marco like steadily like flipping over uh-huh. from the game to console to cable, turning it up, turning it up, waiting to see if his dad gets the hint. <laughs> nope, keep turning it up. Like that is some glorious teenage. Yeah. Uh, also, yep. neurodivergent. I'm just going to keep turning this up until you get the hint and fuck off. <laughs> Either until I can't hear you or you leave, which yep. is just, mm, it's good. Yep. Uh, but the TV channel that Marco lands on is a uh, talk show, advice show, um, called Contact Point. Hosted by a man named William Roger Tennant. Uh, basically, it's a talk show where people call in and ask for advice, and Tennant gives it to them. And that that's that's it. It's it's a, a fucking uh, Delilah radio show type deal. Um, I have no idea what that is. It's, um, it's she's a <laughs> widely syndicated uh radio mm-hmm. show um host always late at night and people call mm-hmm. in <laughs> to talk to Delilah. Yeah, the the vibe I was getting and what I feel is quite deliberate characterization in the book is this is like a Mr. Rogers for adults and very yeah. sort of Bob Rossy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Bob Ross dash uh, why I know you know um, and that it's a very like easygoing laid back guy with a beard and a ponytail just like mm-hmm. being there for people mm-hmm. this is quite a nice show concept I'm it a is. little bit mad about it <laughs> but like yeah in 20 years this guy's going to be doing this shit on Twitch is my point it's, mm-hmm. it's good mm-hmm. or on YouTube uh, 
and uh, a woman calls in on air and talks about how she's lonely. She's retired. A lot of her friends have either passed away or gone away, and she's having a hard time meeting people. And Tennant recommends that she check out the sharing. Uh, and this is a problem because now we have a controller. <clears throat> we have a controller recommending the uh, York Front organization on television um, that a lot of people, a lot of vulnerable people will listen to and follow. Um, which is, you know, not great. Uh, so Marco calls Jake and sets up a meeting with the others to tell them about what he's seen. Um, and, uh, Peter finishes his phone call and looks over at Marco and is like, Oh, so are you going to continue playing the, the, the game? You're going to humiliate me some more. And Marco's like, no, I have to go call Jake. Uh, and then I have to go to Jake's house. Like, he, you can definitely feel the weight of the responsibility of, no, we have to go talk about this thing. Uh, even though I, like, my dad specifically took time out of his day for this. Um, and his dad is sad about this. Like, when Marco is leaving, um, his dad is like, are you mad at me? Um, and Marco's like, no, why would I be mad at you? And Marco's dad isn't stupid. Like, he recognizes that this whole situation is going to be very hard for Marco. Um, and Peter says, I know you still think about your mom a lot. I just want you to know I do too. I know, I said. It's just that it's been a long time, my dad continued. I can't grieve forever. I, we, need to move on. I hope you can understand that. I mean, Nora's a nice person, isn't she? Maybe if I was a better son, I could have said something to cheer him up. But I'm not, and I couldn't. Yeah, she's okay, I said. It's just weird, that's all. I shut the door behind me and tried to control the guilt. Yeah, I wanted my dad to be happy, but there was a really big problem with the whole Nora situation. My mom may not really be dead. And the the timeline of this book isn't super clear. Um, like how it doesn't take place over that much time. It takes place over the span of like two, three weeks at most. Um, but like, we get the sense that this relationship that Peter has with Nora is extremely serious, like talking marriage serious. Uh, the book is, isn't called the proposal or nothing. Um, uh, 
And that is, that's one of the things that actually puts me off of this book is like, it's really like this particular, in particular, this relationship seems to be going very fast. And like, that's the thing that happens sometimes. Yeah. One, we don't know for sure how long the relationship mm -hmm. has been going on off screen. Just because Marco hadn't noticed mm -hmm. doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And two, I think when it's older people who have like or have been divorced mm -hmm. or are widowed, it relationships do happen quicker. Mm -hmm. Like on a, they tend to rattle through the stages on a much more rapid time because there isn't like a lot of the milestones have already been done mm -hmm. and also and i suppose this would be true if you are grieving the loss of a loved one mm -hmm. uh just sort of like you don't want to be alone anymore mm -hmm. and two well you could die in a boat accident <laughs> so mm -hmm. why not let's get married uh-huh so we, because we don't know how old um, Nora is either. No, and that's like we know she is the sort of person to have a toy poodle, and <laughs> judging by its behaviour, she carries that dog around. <clears throat> because that, I don't know lots, but I know a lot of the problem with the small toy breeds is because people don't respect their autonomy a lot because they're so small they get very agitated because mm -hmm. people are always just picking them up because they can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. it's, it's, it's also a thing of like, people think that the behavior is cute because it's coming from a very small dog. Mm -hmm. And so they don't train it out of them like they would with a larger dog. Yeah. And like poodles are incredibly smart breeds. Like yes. uh, they're like very trainable and easily bored mm -hmm. and yeah that on top of what Dan's saying like it's real easy for them to get behavioral problems if they're not given enough stimulation and the right kind of training mm -hmm. whereas somebody who is working in education a fucking incredibly demanding of your time mm -hmm. profession because maybe who got a dog for company got the wrong is probably dog. not gonna <laughs> It's still a dog, even if it is, like, the size of your dog's, like, face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just imagining Aaron next to a toy poodle. Very good. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it's, I, I think it's already been described that, um, yeah, that Marco's pretty, yeah, but, like, no, she's all right. Why did it have to be his maths teacher? Because we know that's the one subject he, that's one of the subjects. No, he's all right with math, isn't he? Cassie's the one who struggles with math. Yeah, yeah, Cassie struggles with math. But um, um, he does describe how this dog hates him. Yes. Yeah. The dog really does hate him. Like, the, the way that this dog acts towards him, this dog does not like him at all. Yeah. Uh, it makes me... Which, when, when we get... Uh, spoilers for later. Um, maybe it's because Marco is scared of the dog. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the dog... And the, is it Euclid or Euclid? Euclid, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's after Euclidean, thing. yeah. That, like the geometry. Okay. <laughs> Nora, you're a fucking nerd. 
but um that yeah. yeah we get the like it's entirely possible that um Euclid is picking up on Marco being scared or uncomfortable mm-hmm. and being defensive it's entirely possible that this dog just doesn't like children mm-hmm. or just doesn't like Marco maybe it can smell the fact that Marco can morph and has mm-hmm. like a bunch of different DNA swimming around mm-hmm. in there and it's like what the fuck are you yep because we never see Euclid interact with any of the other animorphs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or it could not, just be not, that... Not, not, not every dog could be Homer, is my point. No, yeah. It could just be that Euclid doesn't like Marco. Sometimes dogs just don't like yeah. certain people. This is also true. There is... So Arrow's a pretty nervous dog, in general. Like, he doesn't really want to be around people he doesn't know. It takes him a little while to get used to them. Um... But, but for the most part, he's a very chill dog, uh, and friendly, and uh, you know, very laissez-faire <laughs> about everything, um, because he's too big to spend a whole lot of energy doing a lot of stuff. But there is one person and one dog that walk on our street, and he <laughs> hates them. There is no reason why he should hate this dog he's never interacted with this dog he's never like had any kind of bad experience with this person it's just like when he sees this person and this dog he goes ape shit <laughs> sometimes dogs are just weird <laughs> you know, sometimes you just don't like somebody okay. sometimes they just have a face that you don't like now i'm just imagining fucking rachel meeting euclid just like no i get it oh that would be really funny <laughs> um so okay so marco uh goes off to meet the others um to tell them about this thing i don't know why this couldn't have waited until the next day it's not like presumably this dude has been on television for a little while presumably he's been a yerk for a little while one one night isn't necessarily going to change anything but okay um marco goes to the garage uh to morph um he's planning planning to fly over to Cassie's. Uh because that's basically how everyone travels now is just they fly. Because why wouldn't you? Um But halfway into the morph, Marco notices that something isn't quite right with this morph. And instead of turning into an osprey, Half of him turns into an osprey, and the other half of him turns into a lobster. Uh. Which, you know, isn't great, considering yeah. lobsters are aquatic and need water to breathe. Uh. Um. We. It is implied as he's morphing that 
um, he is stressed. And we do get confirmation later that this, this morphing problem that he has during this book, um, is stress related. Um, it's not like a weird morph allergy like Rachel had where she was morphing directly from one animal to another animal. This is more like what we've seen Cassie do, what we've seen, uh, with the, what we know of the frawless maneuver that Axe does, where you're morphing parts of yourself into one thing and parts of yourself into another thing, um, or holding on to a bits of a morph through into another one. Um, but he's not intending to do this. Uh, it's just implied, uh, that because he is so stressed, he can't focus properly. Um, and he ends up in these weird half morphs. And twice, um, I thought it was going to be a really interesting, uh, theme, but it's not. They kind of missed the <sighs> mark on it. Um, twice, once he morphs this half osprey, half lobster, another time he morphs half gorilla, half trout. And I was like, oh, is this like an interesting metaphor for how Marco feels like he can't breathe? Um, it's, it's not, it doesn't carry through the rest of them. Uh, but I yeah, like to spider, imagine. The spider skunk combo is very good, to be clear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do like the spider skunk. Yes, the spider skunk is great. Um, the, the poodle polar bear is pretty badass. <laughs> the poodle bear. The poodle the size of, yeah, the poodle bear. The poodle the size of a Volkswagen. Just uh -huh. like. All the fucking rage of a toy poodle with no training uh, <laughs> uh -huh. and the fucking weight class of a polar bear. Yep, yep. Um, so he freaks out because he can't breathe in this morph and he has to, to focus long enough to demorph. Um, he doesn't morph again. He just rides his bike to Cassie's barn and everyone gives him shit about it. Like, why, why, why did you take the long way? You called us out here in the middle of the night, and then you took the long way here? Why? <laughs> um, we get a detail about Tobias and Rachel watching TV together, which is really adorable. Um, and um, Marco tells everybody about the tenant thing. Um, they debate who this dude is turns out he's written a bunch of self-help help books i like cassie's joke about chicken soup for the soul mm -hmm. yeah because uh axe is confused about what um self-help books are for self yeah help books he's like are they instruction manuals on how to be a person like <laughs> such as consume necessary nutrients breathe sufficient air <laughs> And then Marco uh, congratulates Axe on making a joke, and Axe is fairly certain he wasn't making one, which is just, <laughs> I love. That, that, good Axe content. Yes. Love that. Um, Cassie uh, says, self-help as in wise advice. <laughs> Chicken soup for whatever. I'm okay. You're messed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, But... They, I, I do appreciate that William What's His Face Tenant is credited as being the author of Men from Mars, Women from Venus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In this, in in the Animorphs universe, he wrote that. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, Rachel the... Mate, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to credit Rachel's making a Uranus joke oh, and yeah. then probably yeah, yeah, yeah. saying that she's spending too much yeah. time around Marco. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. Um, and Marco tells them that uh, none of this is the point. The fact is that Tenet is recommending the sharing on live TV. Um, and they're like, all right, well, what do we, how do we get him to stop? We can't just trash the studio. They'll just buy another studio um and rachel's the one who comes up with the idea of digging up some dirt on him and launching a smear campaign to make him to discredit him um that's the daughter of a journalist right there uh-huh i like that's how she you understands the news cycle <laughs> i like how she specifies that's how you take down a celebrity unless he's like a politician or an athlete they're immune yeah, good show. There's some <laughs> biting political commentary that we weren't expecting to get from that of Ops. It also, I will say, it depends on the celebrity. Gestures at... It depends on the gender of the celebrity. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is like a minor celebrity that not that many people know. <laughs> like, mm. I feel like a smear campaign would work. Especially the kind In, that they're yes. launching. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're like, all right, well, we're going to do surveillance and they launch a surveillance mission. Um, and this is some like smart, pragmatic, mm-hmm. like this is the animals doing what they do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, um, uh, Axe and Tobias get first shift. Marco and Jake will relieve them after school. And we cut to several shifts later. Um, with Cassie and Marco on the Saturday morning shift. So it's at least been several days. Um, it's been three days since they started their surveillance. Um, yeah, because it's been long enough to see um, him go to a yurt pool. Mm-hmm. Um. Marco notably has not told any of the others about the morphing issue he had. Um, so far, he thinks it was just a one-off issue, except he d- he's not sure that it is. Um, and so it is causing him stress because he wonders every time he morphs whether he'll fuck up a morph again. It's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that way. Um, but he's on surveillance with Cassie. I do love this small detail about him being mad that uh, he should be in bed or watching the Powerpuff Girls marathon. Mm-hmm. And Cassie puts it, well, you swapped with Jake so you could watch the South Park marathon last night. And he's just <laughs> like, well, there shouldn't be two marathons on in a weekend. What's the guy to do? <laughs> I've said before how it doesn't surprise me that Marco watches South Park, but I still continue to not like it. Yeah. It does, however, add credence to the whole thing that the Animorphs do say fuck. (laughs) Because that is a byproduct of watching South Park as a child, Uh uh frankly. But I also like that Marco watches the Powerpuff Girls, frankly. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, quality programming. So, 
I was just going to say, Rachel's such a buttercup. <laughs> yes, she is. Absolutely. Uh, which makes Cassie bubbles. It does. They don't have a blossom. They don't have a blossom. I mean, it's, ja- I mean, it's, it's Jake, but yes. you know. <laughs> yeah. Jake, Jake is blossom, and then the other three are the rowdy rough boys. I don't know who's who, though. (laughs) That's because they don't have much in the way of personality. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. This is where we need to do our crossover with Gay's Face. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. Um, Back on topic. Back on topic. We're we're all over the place. It's great. (laughs) Uh, so Cassie and Marco are just kind of shooting the shit. Marco's like, why aren't we going in yet? You know, we know that the dude's a controller. We just need to get in the house. We're not learning anything new by being outside the house. Um, like, they know his entire schedule from, like, he goes jogging every morning. Um, works at home for a little while. Then, uh... Uh, at five o'clock goes to his studio in order to record his show. Um, we learn that he has, uh, an indoor aviary where he keeps several cockatiels and like finches. Um, parakeets. Parakeets. I'm sorry. A- ten cockatiels is so many. It, that is so many. Um, like although, those are loud birds. They are. Although if you're gonna own parrots, you do kind of want to own more than one because they're extremely fucking group oriented. Um, like unless you have the time to dedicate to like another person. Uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, he, he has a bunch of birds. Apparently William Roger fly around. Yeah. And they just fly around inside his house. Yeah. He has like an open aviary and like, Perches are his birds, although to be fair, most birds, if they have a place to my understanding, I've not I haven't had a bird living in the same house as me for a very long time. Um, but like if they've got like that, like they're actually pretty tidy mm-hmm. for the most part. They don't they're not just indiscriminate mess makers. Yeah. Um but yeah. Uh, William Roger Tennant, my kind of person. Uh, his yerk, not so much. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Cassie and Marco get into a conversation, um, because Marco makes a comment about how he kind of wishes Tennant weren't a controller. Um, apart from the yerk in his head, he's a swell guy. Uh, uh, he wants to tell him about his own problems. And Cassie's like, oh, is something bothering you, Marco? <laughs> like, her ears prick up metaphorically. Um, and he's like, no, absolutely not. Uh-huh. So it doesn't bother you that your dad is dating. What? No way. My dad is seriously gaga over Miss Robinette. So what? Not my problem, his problem. Uh, we get the detail that he he has told the others about 
his father dating because they had to do surveillance on her to make sure she wasn't a controller, at least not currently a controller. Um, Cassie's like, she seems nice. Aren't you happy for your dad? And Marco's like, sure, why not? And Cassie says, still, you're in a tough position. She's trying to get him to like open up because she can tell that he, this is bothering him as much as he's like brush, trying to brush it off. Uh, he says, actually, I'm sorry I brought it up. I don't want to talk about it. It's boring. I mean, who cares, right? Okay. I mean, the situation's bad enough, I continued. So maybe I did want to talk about it. Just a little bit. But does she have to be one of my teachers? Let alone my math teacher? And then there's Euclid, her toy poodle. Satan with a perm. Simple commands like sit, stay, heal, all mean the same thing to this dog. Bark at Marco. Jump on Marco. Bite Marco's ankle. <laughs> For 45 minutes, we followed William Roger Tennant up the beach and then back to the compound. For 45 minutes, I vented. Cassie may or may not have listened. Every once in a while, she said, uh-huh, or bummer. By the time Tennant walked back through the gate of the compound, I felt a little better. I had not mentioned the mutant morph. I know it's hard, but try to see the positive side of the situation, Cassie said, as we watched Tennant do his post-jog stretches. Your dad is happy. That's a good thing. Start there, and maybe things will be okay. Yeah, I replied. I mean, it probably doesn't matter anyway. Our chances of surviving tomorrow's mission are slim to none. Uh. And we get the revelation that their plan to search uh, Tenant's house is basically to morph some of his very convenient birds um, and search the house as their tiny, as those tiny birds. Um, Marco is convinced it will get him killed because he's going to be some tiny helpless bird. Um, uh, I mean, even, even if he wasn't having the, uh, if he didn't have like the emotional hangover of the, of the weird mutant morph happening, we know Marco has a bad track record. <laughs> and this book just likes to really bring that home, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Because to be clear, when we said there was animal cruelty, it's all to Marco. Yep. In Morph. So he, Marco's able to stop somebody else getting like hit. I think at one point I may be mis mixing up two bits, but either way, he's the one that has the shitty time of it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh. <clears throat> So we cut to uh, all of the kids outside of Tenet's house in Squirrel Morph going over the I love that the they plan. don't reveal that it's Squirrel Morph. I know. That's, this is a great thing. About it. it's like, they, like, we keep hearing like they're being like sitting forward. So it's clear they're in Morph. Uh -huh. um, and they're all just sort of like rapidly looking around but uh, the punchline reveal and it is really delivered like a punchline that they're chilling out in Squirrel Morph is mm -hmm, very good mm -hmm. uh, so they sneak into the house the The way that they do this is fucking incredible like Axe as uh -huh. a squirrel disables the house alarm then Jake carrying a Swiss army knife in his squirrel mouth Cuts a hole into the screen of one of the windows and tears it open. Like, <laughs> uh huh. I assume it's maybe even just the blade from a Swiss Army. I knife. think so. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because, like, it's described as being, like, two inches long. But either way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, a squirrel with a blade in its mouth like a fucking pirate. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And then there's just, like, like, hey, Tobias, can you pick that up and take it so we uh, don't leave any trace that we've been here? Just, like, fucking, I'm just, all I can imagine is, like, that scene over the hedge. Uh-huh. Where they're like, or just like the Mission Impossible theme just mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. <laughs> as they get into this house. It's very good. It is very good. Uh, they get into the house. Uh, Marco and Rachel are first to acquire the cockatiels. Uh, they go into, they demorph, they go into the aviary. Uh, Rachel has no problem acquiring her cockatiel. Marco just kind of like reaches out for one of them and gets his ass bit because he's wasn't very smart about it. Um, <laughs> um, but and Cassie had coached them on how to do this. Yes, to yes. be clear. Um, well, it it it's just it's really amusing to me because like trying trying to touch a cockatiel, a free flying cockatiel that doesn't want to be touched, is like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really difficult um but they acquire their cockatiels uh they morph the cockatiels uh marco loses control of his morph uh almost immediately um uh kind of gets lost in the the happy bird brain that's that's just relatively happy to be here um but uh, he comes back to himself with Rachel's help. Um, get a grip, Marco, or I'm telling Jake to pull you off this mission right now. Um, and so Marco comes back down to himself and they go in search of Tenant while the others are going to go search the house. Um, they find him easy enough. They perch next to his desk, um, to look at what he's writing. Tenant's writing some kind of thank you letter um, to the letter to the president of one of the TV networks. Um, then Tenant gets a phone call from who else but Visser Three, um, and Visser Three is basically asking about whatever this thing with a TV news representative or TV ch- network representative, how it's going. Um, and as soon as Tennant takes this call, Marco begins to freak out. Um, now, he's freaking out by basically funneling his anxiety through the morph. And so bird Marco is exhibiting signs of bird stress. Namely, like, he's plucking out feathers, um, and, like, uh, uh, vocalizing a lot. Um, and he can't stop himself. Um, he's rocking back and forth. And Rachel's trying to get him to, like, shut up because he's drawing a whole bunch of attention to himself. Uh, specifically, Tennant is like, shut up, you godforsaken bird. <laughs> um... And we get the uh, information that Tenant is going to be 
given some kind of award at a banquet that weekend. Um, and, uh, the president of the TV network that he is writing this thank you letter to, um, is expected to offer Tennant and his show a primetime slot on their TV network. Um, specifically UPN, which I haven't heard the name UPN in fucking years. Um, but Marco still can't get a grip. He's being very loud. Um, Tenet basically, like, he's like, hold on one minute, Besser, and does the thing where, like, parents whose children are being too rowdy when they're on the phone, they, like, hold the phone to their chest and they're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, uh, Visser 3's like, why don't you just kill that bird? And Tenant's like, no, I have to maintain Tenant's animal loving image. Uh, but yes, they are very annoying. And yes, Visser, the day will come and we will exterminate all irrelevant creatures looking forward to it. Um, uh, which at first you think might just be him responding to Visser 3's kind of cartoonish, uh, evil persona. But we realize that Tenant probably does actually believe that, uh, not Tenant, Tenant's Yerk actually does believe that because Tenens Yerk fucking hates animals. Hates them so fucking much. Um, and then Marco shits on his desk. <laughs> it's just... Well, if you're the Rachel, I think I'm going to... Never mind, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> and Rachel's like, yeah, that was a great idea. The guy's already popping veins in his head to do crap on his desk. And Tennant finishes up on the phone. <laughs> And it's just like, yes, Visser, yes, Visser, yes, Visser. Then, oh, I am going to kill you as the phone gets slammed down. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and this is the part, dear listener, where we get some of that animal cruelty we were talking about. Mm. So, Tenensier attempts to kill Marco, uh, the bird. It shuts the shades. Yep. Shuts the stage so no one can see what he's about to do. Uh, gets him out of the air by basically throwing a book at him. Um, picks him up and then attempts to squeeze the life out of him. He, he attempts to kill Marco. It's going to work. Um, so Rachel calls for the others to come in in their battle morphs. Um, and Tenant Tenant's Yerk goes on a bit of a fucking tirade. Tirade. <laughs> um, and to be clear, Tenant's Yerk at this moment thinks that Marco is a real bird. Um, and like Tenant's Yerk has to fight the real human tenant. Because the human tenant is like, please don't hurt my birds. Um, and is really fighting the yerk. Um, and this and is creepy. It is super clear. creepy. Yeah. Like, it this is. is like bargain basement, like 
referring to it as like little birdie and like this is somebody relishing in tormenting an animal. Yeah. 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 Um, and then he relents and mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'd love to kill you if only just so I can hear my host screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not joking either. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm not going. Not now. No, I'll look forward to the day when I can kill all of you. Oh, what joy that will be. Perhaps such carnage will be enough to break this human spirit once and for all. And while he's doing that, he's just like petting Marco's feathers mm-hmm. super gently. Rachel, meanwhile, just like, it's okay. And she's like circling, still in cockatiel morph, mm-hmm. ready to dive bomb mm-hmm. this guy, which is just, I mean, don't fuck with cockatiels. They can be like, you know, they'll go for you. Um, yeah, they they that. can bite the shit out of you. Yeah, they got vicious little beaks. So, um, but she's ready to she's ready to go. The others are like getting into battle morph to like burst into the room. Um, meanwhile, Vesa three will either love or hate this <laughs> Vesa because this is somebody monologuing like a champ. Uh huh. Like, um, and it's like looking at himself in the mirror. It's just like, yes, behold, I'm a warrior forced to do this charade, and he's just and he's like, how much it sucks to be kind and nice and polite. <laughs> um, Rachel meanwhile's like indulging in the sanest talk that we're talking about uh like but is like full-on like just not vibing with this guy's energy like no this is a dangerous person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Um. and then um he has like sort of releases grip on mark it's still holding onto him just enough and uh asks for him uh, Marco, that is to give his name, and this is where the f- the masquerade goes because all of the cockatiels, and I, if there are any of the other ones that have sort of the more ability vocalizations, can say their name or have been trained to say their name. Uh, Jake is meanwhile like, should we come in? And Rachel's like, no, we're going to have to make a real quick exit. You can take down Tenant when he comes out. And this is where Tenant figures out that this is probably an Andalite bandit. Um, Which, like, doesn't... If... If you just almost killed a bird, that bird probably is not going to wrote... perform a trick that you had previously taught it. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's awfully convenient that he jumps straight to, oh, okay, this is an Andalite bandit. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a paranoid yerk. It makes sense that he makes this jump, mm. but like, also. Mm. There are a variety of reasons that, why. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Marco is relatively calm. Mm-hmm. In the in the face of that, and isn't struggling at this point to get away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, but as he tries to leap away, because uh, he's able to jump out of the hands of uh, this of the controller, but as he tries to fly, uh, he realizes one of the one of his wings are broken. Well, he... tenant throws another. Oh, Book oh, him. is that what happens? I wonder yeah. if it was already broken. No. Uh, 
No, he, my he, my poor ability to follow. It's oh no, not he's super thrown clear. a dictionary. Yeah, he's no, thrown no, a then dictionary. Then he kicked it in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the book at him, chief. Well, that's a book, I guess. Um, but that's when uh, Rachel dive bombs uh, after Tennant is like fucking taken Marco out of the air with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like crowing about it. Ha ha. Unintentional pun. Just like, oh, such a weak morph. Bad choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel dive bombs, grabs hold of uh, Tennant's hair and then is able to pull away with a toupee, mm-hmm. uh, which Tennant is very unhappy about. <laughs> um, and it's sort of like Rachel is now like playing distraction as she flies off with this toupee to give Marco an opportunity to demorph. Tenant has sounded the alarm. There are hawk bajir coming. So Tenant now has a gun how now has a gun um that presumably he pulled from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh they lure Tenant out into the hallway. Um and to to give Marco and Rachel a chance to morph, essentially. Uh, Marco is able to demorph, um, and, uh, begins to morph Gorilla. Uh, meanwhile, like, Hork Bajir are staggering into the room. Um, and Marco realizes that halfway to Gorilla Morph, uh, he is in fact also half trout. Um, and again, with the inability to breathe because he has gills and not lungs. Um, Tobias sees this. So Marco can't hide it anymore. Uh, but Tobias does help coach him through demorphing. Um, and, uh, Marco hides behind a like the the door as it opens because like the fight is spilling into this room now and he's human um the animorphs barricade themselves in this room to give them a moment meanwhile the horkbajir are going to attempt to uh break the door down but uh the animorphs uh basically jump out the window after Marco smashes it open with the laptop. Yes. Which is <laughs> that, which is a great uh, tenor was using. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just like hope he's not gonna back up. Smash. <laughs> yep. Uh, and and they get away. Marco is still in his human form. He doesn't he literally yeah. jumps out a window and it's a twenty foot drop. Mm-hmm. As well. Mm-hmm. So and to be fair, like, there is the freaking out about, like, your inhuman human morph. That's not what it is. Um, <laughs> but Jake's like, what are you doing out of morph? And she's like, no, we can do this later. Um, did we get the moment where he slams the door into... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As Tennant goes to follow the kids into the office, Marco slams the door into his face. It's very yeah, good. It's, it's very, very good. satisfying. Yeah. Um, but yes, the kids bail out. Yep. Yeah.